And welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. And on today's show, we're going to first start with our news of the day. We've got some recruiting news to catch up on. Of course, some positive news in the Braylon Allen reclassification should make a strong secondary in that class a little bit stronger. Uh, I will touch on some other things. Uh, Devin Brown, uh, recent interview with Bucky's Fifth Podcast. Unfortunately, he made his commitment to USC, so we'll kind of talk about that, where the Badgers might look next at the quarterback position for 2022. And then, of course, we'll get into the Big Ten football schedule. The new release is officially out. A lot of good games uh, for Wisconsin. Uh, last episode, we kind of talked about who they'd get in the uh, cross-division games. It looks like we were right on that with Michigan and Indiana, so we'll break down um, their schedule, we'll look at some other Big Ten schedules and then kind of just give you a breakdown for across the league um, with that. So a lot of fun stuff, a lot of positive stuff to talk about on today's show, which is a, a nice spin from what we've had for the last few months of kind of the COVID negative doldrums continuing, continuing. So now we get to talk about football games, you know, schedules, matchups, the whole nine yards. That's uh, really exciting. So I'm excited to break that down for you guys. But Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Um, excited for for this show. A lot of great news coming coming over the course of the weekend. It was it was fantastic to see the Big Ten trying to to do their best to weasel their way into game day by dropping their schedule on Saturday when uh, all the other teams are, or other conferences are getting ready to play. But it was uh, it was a fun weekend of football. And uh, how how are you doing, man? I'm good. Yeah, it was a, a nice you know. Uh, NFL Sunday was great yesterday. College football still feels a little empty, but should be a little, little bit better this upcoming weekend with the SEC kicking off, the Big 12 really getting into conference action. And then uh, hopefully before you know it, uh, uh, those Big 10 games will be here and then it'll fill um, the void that we've all been feeling for the last uh, few weeks here. And it'll be uh, a lot of fun. So excited to break down uh, that Big 10 schedule as we get closer and closer to kickoff. Uh, I can't believe we're, we're actually saying that, but it looks like it's going to be a go. So, But before we do that, you want to get into our news of the day? Let's do this, dude. Here's what's happening. Okay, so our news of the day. The first big news was uh, a nice, exciting piece for the Badgers in the class of now uh, 2021. Braylon Allen decided to reclassify and work his way into this upcoming class, which is really exciting because I guess I didn't really see this coming, but... It's a, a huge get for the Badgers. I mean, he was already a commit, but to get him a year earlier is, is going to be really, really special. Uh, you know, a four-star kid out of Fond du Lac High School, um, really, really talented player, probably looking at, you know, we've talked about him uh, before, we're looking at kind of your safety inside linebacker, inside linebacker, a hybrid type guy. Um, but Matt, what did you make of his reclassification and, and just how big of uh, news is that for Wisconsin? Yeah, I mean, another former guest uh, on the show, um, Braylon is really smart kid, uh, really hard worker, and to see kind of 
the grind that he must have gone through in the classroom to make to put himself in this position is is really impressive. Uh, just basically saying, hey, I'm going to graduate a year early in high school and and be prepared. I think the big thing is he's physically already ready. Like he's, if you've watched any of those videos uh, that he he has posted on Instagram or on on uh, Twitter, you can see that he is physically developed. Uh, you know, six to two hundred plus pounds already you could easily see him uh hopefully staying at safety or maybe adding some some weight in and going into becoming a great inside linebacker but i think he's the type of hybrid positionist player that you want on your defense we've seen a lot of teams do that jim leonard's been pretty multiple with what he's trying to do and you look at just what this defense could be in a couple years when you add him with this into the same class as a guy like TJ Bowlers, another guy who's kind of positionless, can play D-line, can play outside linebacker, kind of how the Packers use Rashawn Gary in a lot of ways. And I, I think it's definitely exciting for them to go ahead and, and get him a year early. I know that, uh, you know, that, that takes away a commit from 2022, but really you, you look at the, the 2021 class and, and they're in uncharted territory right now and the top 15, uh, their average uh, recruit right now is a four-star, which is which is not something that the betters have ever had going on, um, at least in the, the recruiting era that uh, people are, have been following it nearly as much as they have been. Um, I know Barry had some really stellar classes back in the day, but um, you look at it just recently and over the last, you know, 10, 15 years, this is, this is right up there as maybe the best recruiting class on paper that they've brought in. And and Braylon Allen's addition there is, is a big reason why he's, he's as of right now, if I usually look at the 247 composite for comparison's sake. And, and right now he, he is the sixth highest recruit on that, in that group. And, and you look at it, he's a year, a whole year younger than them. So big time news, um, you know, good for him. I, I know that that's going to be exciting for not only him, but also for the, the staff to get him on campus, get him into a weight room. Cause Worst case scenario, he, he redshirts as a freshman, and, and it's just like he's right where he would have been as a incoming freshman anyway. So I think that's what you want, uh, ideally, is is you have the opportunity to redshirt him and really get him in the training table, get him in workouts and, and practice instead of just playing in high school games. Yeah, it, it'll be really nice for him to, you know, get into UW, get, to, get into the system. Uh, get working out, get eating. You know, the kid, he's already a very big kid. Um, you know, size-wise, like you mentioned, he's he's physically ready already um, to to make that jump to the next level and and redshirt and, and hopefully he can develop a little bit more, learn the defensive system of Jim Leonard. I know it sometimes can be a little complex, so it's good to have guys that be able to learn um, their positions and for him to to kind of maybe find his footing in terms of a position. You know, he is that typical hybrid. Uh, kid, you know, at 6'2", 215, definitely could could be a safety guy, but looks like he could drop down to, to linebacker. Definitely a guy that is, uh, like you mentioned, positionless. And it, it's exciting because you line him up now with everyone was excited about him and, and Hunter Waller uh, being that defensive back or, or, you know, hybrid linebacker combo. Uh, it'd be exciting to have those guys kind of lined up along with uh, TJ Bowlers, as you mentioned, the, the four stars. Um, for this class are just continuing to rack up. I know uh, Daryl Peterson uh, got his fourth star, depending on the uh, out, the uh, sites you're looking at there, um, whether it be the 247 composite or their other scores. So uh, exciting for, for this class. I mean, you look at the rank, 
15th, a top 15 class for Wisconsin. You know, an averaging of a four star is just in, incredible compared to what they've had the the, the last you know, decade or so. You've you've always had good players that have came out of, of each class for Wisconsin. You know, you go through the classes. There's always a couple guys that you're really excited about, think they can make a difference. But you look at this class of, of 19 right now. I mean, headlined by Nolan Rucci as a five-star kid, but there's names all over here that even beyond the four-star guys, I mean, Deacon Hill has, has been skyrocketing up recruiting boards. Um, he's a four-star commit or a four-star player at some outlets as well. So there's a lot of guys that you're excited about. Ricardo Hallman, we had him uh, on the show. I think he's a steal as a three-star. So really, you know, you're looking at this this class, it, there's a lot to be excited about, and, and adding Braylon Allen to that just bolsters it and, and puts them in, like I said, uncharted territory. You know, a top 15 class for Wisconsin football is not something that I thought uh, I'd be saying anytime soon. You know, 26 last year to jump all the way to 15 would be a, a huge improvement. So really exciting times for Wisconsin, and, and they're doing a tremendous job on the recruiting trail, and I think it's finally starting to pay off for them. Yeah, no doubt. Hopefully they can keep it going, and, and that kind of bleeds into our next convo, which which is about the, the dead period and how they the Division One Council went ahead and, and expanded the scope of the dead period. Originally, they, they Wisconsin and other schools were supposed to be able to begin contacting uh, uh, and, and having kids come to campus here hopefully soon, um, hopefully for fall visits and, and everything, but it looks like that's not happening until January 1. So that's a that's a big shakeup in the world of recruiting. Um, you know, it doesn't impact the Badgers in 2021 nearly as much because their top-of-the-board prospects right now they're going at are, are kind of, you know, the uh, cherry-on-top type recruits that are top-of-the-board guys that they knew who they've wanted for a while, whereas um, – but it does impact them, you know, in the 2022 class and, and really the 2023 classes. Yeah, it's a tough blow. I mean, this recruiting dead period now being pushed back for, I think, the fifth time. Um, it's been month after month. And, you that know, sounds I, right. I, yeah, I think, let me see, yep, on Sports Illustrated here it says, yep, extended five times. So it's just, and it, it's something where these coaches, you know, maybe they're, as, as the dead period comes to maybe being up, uh, it just kind of keeps getting extended, keeps changing plans. I, I've seen some tweets from, from high schoolers across the country um, that are, are definitely getting frustrated by this news. Uh, we Of course, we know it's um, you know a, a matter of safety, and you want to keep your, your coaching staff and, of course, the players and their families safe. And, fortunately, human interaction and, and face-to-face contact is, is just not something that is uh, – um, deemed super necessary right now in in a large part of the world, and that bleeds into uh, recruiting. But it's got to be tough. You know, you're trying to make a decision for the next four years um, of your life as a player to figure out where you want to call home. And without seeing the campus, it's it's kind of a, a, a tough thing to ask for these guys. I mean, these young players uh, and parents. You know, you if you're not familiar with Wisconsin or whatever school you're visiting. As a parent, as a player, you want to see where you're going to be, you know, spending your next four years. As a parent, you want to be seeing where your kid is going to be living and eating and, and sleeping and, and feel that you're comfortable sending them there. So it's a tough situation, but that's kind of been the the motto of the year. Yeah, and it's definitely I, – I agree with you. I think this hits the the players the hardest, which generally is, is how the NCAA does things. But you'll see here that I, I just think 
Um, a lot of kids needed this senior year to be evaluated. The 2022 class is going to be wild because you have some kids who don't don't have the ability to go to camps. They didn't have the camp circuit that they could hit up all summer. Then they don't have – some kids don't have games that tape they're going to have from their junior year from the 2022 class because of COVID. And, and then you're looking at they can't actually make visits either, and it's going to be really hard. You, you look at some players, and they've been doing visits – for years, you look at Malik Allen, and he's a kid who has visited Wisconsin on multiple occasions. But Wisconsin's already had him on campus, so they're okay right now with because he's already visited. But he hasn't visited some of the other schools who are coming after him since decommitting from Michigan. So maybe that helps Wisconsin in this dead period. But then um, I, I just think the 2022 class is the one that's impacted the hardest here. Um, especially because we still have some uncertainty about how scholarship numbers and distributions are going to unfold, how, what the NCAA is going to do with that. Especially, I, I think they can get away with it if the Pac-12 decides to come back um, like the Big Ten, but I, I just think there's there's so many missing and up-in-the-air variables right now that uh, I just think this hurts players. Obviously, coaches are going to be um, throwing offers out without necessarily seeing kids in person, something the Badgers usually really lean upon. You know, the Badgers made an offer to Logan Brown really early on, and that, that set the course for his recruitment and really made him the prospect he was. So it, it's one of those things where some of the younger players, I think 2021, unless you're an under-the-radar guy who's trying to put your senior tape out there to, to make headwaves and make it into a Power 5 kid, um, I, I think really the 2021 class is kind of is what it is, but the 2022 and 2023 kids are, are really the ones hit hardest here, and and maybe it helps the Badgers with some of the in-state, um, you know, the the top kids from the in-state that the Badgers are after the four-star kids that we've had on the show. Um, maybe that helps them because there's the hometown flavor, and and they've already been to Wisconsin. But I guess we'll have to see how how everything transpires over the next. Uh, you know, three months until three and a half months until we can get um, possibly visits and, and everything. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how those uh, next two classes kind of shake out with uh, COVID. But unfortunately, adjustments have to be made in the world based on everything that's going on. And uh, speaking of the class of 2022, we'll talk quarterbacks here to round out our news of the day. Um, former guest of the show, Devin Brown, commits to USC. Uh, three-star kid, very well-spoken when he came on the show. Uh, I know up until really last week, um, a lot of the crystal balls had him going to Wisconsin, but he announces his commitment to USC. Um, exciting times for him, I'm sure. You know, if, if you're looking to make a decision based, uh, you know, uh, between Wisconsin and USC, that's that's a tough one. And maybe Devin Brown was, was kind of waiting for that offer and then waiting to make that decision to, to call it home. But they're an interesting program, you know, really a one that uh, – Slings the ball around now with, with Graham Harrell as the offensive coordinator. So if you're a quarterback and, and you want to throw the football, USC is, is now a, a nice destination uh, to look for. So tough news for Wisconsin on that front uh, with the quarterback class because it's, it's looking like he was the guy that they were really hoping to land in that 2022 class. So, so now they'll have to look elsewhere. But what did you make of that commitment? And uh, what do you think the Badgers are going to be looking for? I know Miles Burkett's been uh, on the Badgers' radar um, for quite some time now, he might be the the next in line at in that uh, class of 2022. Yeah, I think it's going to be fascinating to see what uh, Bud Meyer does here. I, I think he's done a really good job of identifying talent. Uh, 
really Wisconsin's been picky in the 2022 class because they felt so strong about about where they stood with Devin Brown. And really, you when we had him on the show just a few weeks ago, you could hear it in his voice how excited he was about Wisconsin. Um, you know, a September 1st offer from USC seemed, seemed to change the tide, but but that hasn't been until this weekend, really. He was he was still – all the steam was going towards Wisconsin even later last week. It was leaning towards uh, him making a commitment. I know on the show he had talked about wanting to make a commitment for – his first game, but it seems like he wanted to stay closer to home. You can't you can't blame a kid, especially with the uncertainty right now with with uh, COVID nineteen and and really everything going on. I get it. Your parents can come see you play, and the uh, the uncertainty of going across the country. So I'm guessing that has a lot to do with it. It is still USC. They still have a lineage of of what they can do at the quarterback position. You look at Keaton Slovis. is is probably going to be a, a potential first round pick in in the next couple of years. So they, it's not like he's going to a school that doesn't have a tradition to turn to. Um, but then, yeah, I mean, I think that's the, the big question is where do they go now? Um, what do you, do you, do you think, were you, have you had the chance, I should say, to watch Burkett's film and, and, and see if maybe he's the guy that you think they should go with? I haven't had much of a I, – I saw his offers that he kind of holds right now, and I, I did see a couple clips on Twitter – um, of his sophomore season, but I have not watched it uh, kind of in depth. But uh, a dual dual threat kind of kid, you know, at uh, the six two two hundred pound range. Um, I, I know Drew, I believe, put out an article this morning on on kind of the the QB situation for that. So that's a nice read up on him. There's a, a couple different names uh, now that Devin Brown's kind of off the board. But you look at uh, the way it shakes out. It, while it, it is tough because Devin Brown does seem like a, a very talented kid, and, and you know, like you said, there's there's long, long lineage of at USC. You know, you look at Matt Leinart. You know, being the quarterback of the USC Trojan is still a a very uh, coveted job. So I can definitely see how they can how can they land those poles despite the uh, lack of success these last few seasons. Um, but thankfully for Wisconsin, while you miss out on your 2022, uh, you, you've hit on, of course, Graham Mertz. Uh, you've hit on Deacon Hill uh, a couple classes after that, so maybe this class you're maybe not in the landing your your number one guy that you've looked at, but there's still some talent out there um, in some of these guys. So it'll be interesting to see who they go after next, whether it be Miles Burkett, um, you know, out of Wisconsin, out of Franklin, or if they go after uh, another name, maybe an off the off the radar guy that they haven't. Uh, made a big inroads in with, but uh, maybe they can hop in now that the situation is a little bit more fluid. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be um, interesting to see. I know Burkett's really been wanting a Badger offer, so it's not necessarily something that the Badgers have to pull the trigger on immediately. Um, it could help them in terms of some of the in-state recruits to bring him in just because he can be your ambassador, get things kick-started. Um, Wisconsin is, has had success when they hit on a quarterback and they're able to allow that quarterback to kind of be the face of the class, um, especially when you don't have Braylon Allen anymore um, necessarily in the, the 2022 class. Um, you know, he holds the offer from Central Michigan, but and he had really good stats. I really like his completion percentage at just over 70%, good touchdown-to-interception ratio. He, he, he's got um, good intangibles, and his film looks solid. Um, I, I think the big thing for, for the staff is – I don't know if they were able to see him in person last year, um, and and I think that's going to be the big question is is do you pull the trigger without seeing him in person? 
Uh, I know that Bud Meyer has, has been big on only offering guys he's seen in person and trusting his evaluations with his eyes. Um, you know, and, I, and whereas a three-star kid like Donovan Leary out of New Jersey is a guy that he has seen throw mm. and has has the size that you're looking for. Burkett, I don't like. It's one thing to sit, to have your your tape list you at six two, and then sometimes you know that's with cleats on, and you get to see a person in person, and it's five eleven, and you're like, okay, you know, I I remember Danny Davis's uh, profile saying that he was six foot three, and then he showed up on campus at six foot, so. It's uh, it's it's always interesting to see that. I think I think Burkett is probably the odds-on favorite to earn an offer. I don't know if it's going to be immediate. I could see them trying to turn over some stones. Maybe a guy like Leary um, gets an offer, or um, I know Drew had also listed Cade Klubnik um, out of Austin, Texas, went to the same high school as Nakia Watson, and there's been a really, I mean, that's a powerhouse um, mm-hmm. school down there, Westlake. So maybe he's a guy that they look at. I I just that's going to be a tough pull given the amount of offers he has. But but those are some guys that maybe they'll turn to. But I, I just think I think in the end, Burkett is probably your best get bet. Um, but he's probably also going to be a safe safe bet that if he's stuck behind Deacon Hill um, and Graham Mertz for a few years, he'll probably stick it out. Um, it's, it's rare that you usually get back-to-back four stars in a class. Um, I know that there's been research on that, that it's hard to pull it off. Um, and unless you are showing them the door that, hey, the, the year after you get here is going to be an open competition between you and that kid. And mm-hmm. any kid in the 2022 class walking in isn't going to have that because it's yeah. going to likely be Mertz um, still at that point. Yeah, that's a, a great point. You know, when you look at uh, you know the back-to-backs with, with Mertz and, and Hill, it's going to be tough to, for, for a kid to come in and, and beat out those either of those guys with, with just the talent that they have in uh, in themselves. You know, where everyone's excited to see Mertz. You're not going to see uh, someone jumping up over him, uh, you know, barring some, some crazy turn of events that I don't think anybody uh, around Wisconsin is expecting to see. But interesting how that uh, class of 2022 is going to break down now with the, the commitment of Devin Brown and where that quarterback position goes. Um, I think that's all we've got for news of the day, guys. So we'll go ahead. We're going to get our ad reads out of the way, and then we will uh, – break down the Big Ten football schedule for the 2020 season. Okay, third time is hopefully the charm here with the Big Ten football season. Uh, Eight-game schedule, which we talked about a little bit last week, along with the Champions Week, um, where the one place, first place takes on first place from both divisions, 2v2, 3v3, which I think will be an exciting culmination to the Big Ten season, but before we get into the overall picture, we'll give you guys a rundown of the the Badgers schedule. Uh, They start at home with Illinois, on the road with Nebraska, followed by at home with Purdue, on the road against Michigan and Northwestern, followed by home dates with Minnesota and Indiana, and to uh, round out the season, a road trip to Iowa City to take on the Hawkeyes to for the last game of the season. So uh, an exciting slate. Uh, like we mentioned in the last episode, we were talking about the crossover games. We thought it would be that Michigan and that Indiana game. It is, in fact, that um, Michigan again on the road, as it was supposed to be in Indiana at home on the road. But uh, a nice little uh, schedule for the Badgers. Exciting to see some of these matchups. Um, what did you make of Wisconsin's schedule uh, with that little eight-game run? 
I think it's good. It's, it sets up nicely for the Badgers and in, in what they can do. Um, you look at, I, I think, specifically the first three games, that sets up really good to get a good baseline, get some young players in there hopefully in play, get some revenge on Illinois um, and, and and whatnot. But but I think then you look at the schedule, and, and really it's backloaded in my eyes. You look at um, that Minnesota, Indiana, and Iowa games, that, that trio at the end, and I think that's really what – what's going to be the, the biggest uh, space that the Badgers are going to have to look out for in, in their most important games of the year. So I, I think it's a great schedule. I, I thought they, they hit exactly kind of what we thought, that those would be the teams. And really you look at it, that's you, didn't, you missed out on um, Ohio State and Penn State. And, and I think beyond those two, Michigan and Indiana are probably the next best two teams out there to play. So I think it's, it's good, um, good schedule if you're able to run – run through it and get to a Big Ten championship, again, you're in solid space to possibly be looking at um, a, a fighting chance to, uh, if if you're lucky enough to take down Ohio State or Penn State, to possibly look at a playoff if there's, uh, depending upon how everything else shakes out across the country. So I think it's it's an exciting schedule. It's definitely manageable. It's, it's not anything like the Badgers have had in, in the past. So I think overall it's pretty good. What did you, what did you make of it? Yeah, I mean, when you look at compared to the the original release of the schedule, you had uh, you know Michigan, Notre Dame, App State, a trip uh, tricky non-conference game in there, and then there was just pockets. Uh, I believe in the original schedule, it was back to back with Purdue and Northwestern um, on the road. Those uh, you know gave me pause um, to begin with. Uh, I, there, we'll talk about a little in a little bit here on which game kind of concerns us because there is one that. Uh, Stares me right in the face as I see it right now. But overall, the the schedule, I think, uh, sets up nicely. You get your first one at home against Illinois. It's going to be a game that I think Wisconsin's going to – you're going to come out fired up already because you're going to be able to play football. Uh, But to get uh, a team like Illinois to start, a team that really ripped the fan base and and the players' hearts out last year uh, will be fun um, to hopefully exact some revenge on those guys. And then uh, a road trip to Lincoln is – there's always one that feels tough on paper, and I'm not saying it won't feel tough again, but uh, Nebraska has been uh, a place that Wisconsin's fared pretty well. Uh, and then you get a, a you know a Purdue at home, which is which is a good one. And then you get that that like you mentioned that back half, which is a little bit heavier. But in terms of you know a season, you'd, you'd rather have it kind of backloaded right now to let you get your legs out under you. Um, you look at some of these other uh, you know schedules around the country. Minnesota's got to open up. Uh, with Michigan, Nebraska's got to open up with Ohio State, so not an easy um, you know season to to start versus the Badgers. You know, if you're looking at a first game, Illinois up there with one of the teams you want. I think you could argue that you'd want Rutgers or Maryland first, but you'll take Illinois uh, to start compared to what some of these other teams have. So it's a, a nice start, a nice finish, and they just got to make sure to uh, you know really finish strong um, in that uh, eight-game schedule because you don't want to run into a situation where you drop a game that you shouldn't and then you've got some of those tough games in the back half. I think that'll be the most important thing when you're looking at the schedule for Wisconsin. Yeah, are there uh, are there any of the games that catch your eye? Yeah, I'm really excited. I think we were all really excited about that Michigan game. You know, Last episode we talked about uh, just how – balance this this game and this matchup over the last few years has been um so that one will be exciting to see and then i I am excited to take on uh, i was excited for that indiana game at home on a friday night to open it so both the crossover games 
um, are really intriguing. Uh, and then, of course, you've got the the West games. Uh, right now, I, I think the biggest challenge in that is going to be um, the road trip to Iowa. It's always a tough place to play, especially when uh, Kinnick Stadium is, is full and, and full of energy. Uh, you, every time they go there, it's a battle, usually a low-scoring, slugfest type of pay, uh, you know affair. But overall, I think a lot of games are, are going to be fun to watch, and uh, those ones are, are all going to be exciting. Um, what about yourself? Yeah, I, I just think I think the schedule sets up nicely. I, I like you said. I think that game at Iowa to end the season is really the one that catches my eye. I, I love going to Iowa for games. I think that's a fun atmosphere to be in. It's it's similar to Camp Randall in a lot of ways in terms of the energy level, in terms of the tailgating, um, and, and really if you look at you look at Iowa's schedule and it. And it sets up a lot better than what they originally had um, in the docket mm-hmm. because they took away some of those games. And, and, yeah, they still have to play Michigan State and Penn State. But, but it really, if, if they're able to, t- to go ahead and only lose to maybe Penn State, they're going into that. Iowa's going into the game, uh, you know, looking for a chance to, to take down Wisconsin. And, and that's going to be a scary thought. I do think it definitely helps that it's not – I'm going to have full capacity on that. But what really jumps out to me is week two of just the in general across mm-hmm. the Big Ten. It is freaking awesome. It's it's like top to bottom great games um, in a lot of places. So like Ohio State at Penn State is obviously the, the big one uh, mm-hmm. that weekend. Wisconsin at Nebraska. Michigan State at Michigan, which is always a good rivalry game. Um, and, then, and then the rest of the games are kind of whatever, but even Purdue at Illinois could be a good game uh, that week. So, And Northwestern, Iowa, that who knows what Northwestern is going to be and what uh, Iowa will be given the fact that they're having a change of quarterback. But I think that week two really jumps out to me just because it's such a good um, slate of games, and Wisconsin at Nebraska is going to be a fun one as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I give it to the Big Ten. They come out swinging early in the gates. You know, even week one, you've got uh, the little brown jug, Minnesota, and Michigan to start, Nebraska and Ohio State to start. And then, you, like you said, you go right into week two, uh, Ohio State and Penn State. That's that's going to be a good one. Uh, lots, of, lots of good games early on in the schedule, which is exciting to see um, because, you know, normally in the college football schedule, you've got sometimes you, you play a tough opener, um, you know, like you think for Wisconsin, you, you had Notre Dame in there in week five, but a lot of the times these teams are playing, uh, you know, two, three games, two of them maybe are, are cupcakes, FCS, uh, you know, lower tier group of five uh, games, but now you're, you're jumping right into Big Ten play, and uh, if you're a, a team like Nebraska, you gotta you got to face off with Justin Fields and Ohio State in week one. Uh, that's tough, but uh, it's, it's Big Ten football, and it's going to be so nice to see, you know, having the Big Ten laid out. October, Halloween, uh, you know, that Halloween weekend is just going to be incredible, like you mentioned, and uh, having it go all the way up to December 19th for that championship, uh, you know, weekend is, is going to be really fun, and hopefully the, the, these teams can make a, a playoff push. So overall, I, I was excited to see that schedule, just seeing the matchups, seeing the Big Ten football, it, it just feels right in this uh, in this upcoming fall, so I'm, I'm really excited. But uh, for the Badgers, we'll go back and, and look at it that way. Is there a game that jumps out to you in terms of the schedule? I think when we talked about the second release of the schedule, we talked about trap games and uh, 
games that you might worried about might be worried about. Um, I, there's one for me that, that is as clear as day is going to be the one that I'm nervous about. But what did you make about uh, a possible trap game or letdown on the schedule? I, th- I think if, if you're looking at straight up trap game letdown, it's got to be in Evanston mm-hmm. against Northwestern. They've been they've played Wisconsin tough. They they know what to do defensively against the Badgers. Um, I don't know if Northwestern is going to have the offense to really keep up with Wisconsin, but you never know um, if they muddy up that game. It's it's sandwiched. That game is sandwiched yep, between exactly. Michigan and Minnesota, um, so that that is feeling awfully trappy. And but you could also go ahead and and let's let's just say that the Badgers are able to go into that game against Minnesota on November 28th undefeated. So that means they will have had to have. Um, taken gone and won at Nebraska, at Minnesota, uh, Michigan, and they win at Northwestern. All doable, but who knows? Really, they've got those last three. I, I think. I think if they go ahead and get a big win against Minnesota at home, that Indiana game is kind of trappy too. Mm-hmm. Um, those are those are the two games that I think if we're looking for you know a, a letdown possibility you know sandwiched in between the two um, I, I think those are the two to me that are kind of like oh yeah those are kind of you know it could be a letdown but who really knows I think I think those games should be won by Wisconsin but you never really know based off of um, what we've seen in the past when especially on the road with energy yeah that one uh, the the northwestern was game was the one that I was looking at because of that, you know, that sandwich factor, you know, right between uh, a huge game. Anytime you play Michigan, especially at Michigan, that's a big game, um, a, a tough one. And, and Minnesota is your rival, so you're always going to be up for that one. Um, you're, but the, you know, at Northwestern, Sleepy Evanston uh, is, is definitely one that's, you know, it's probably going to, it's going to be even more uh, sleepy there with no fans. So it's going to be uh, one that, you know, anytime you travel to Northwestern to have to play a football game for Wisconsin, it's a little bit nerve-wracking. Um, but I, I think you make a good point with the Indiana one. They've got a, a team that's coming back um, that expects to make some noise in the, the Big Ten East. Not sure if they will end up doing that, but they're excited about the squad that they have. And uh, I was excited to see Wisconsin uh, take them on uh, with that early season challenge. Now it'll be a late, you know, a late season challenge before uh, facing off with your arch rival in Iowa. So that'll be interesting to see. Um, but yeah, that Northwestern game really jumps out to me uh, as a, a nervous one. I was hoping that maybe Wisconsin would work it where they played Northwestern in Week One, um, and and you got that out of the way, and hopefully we're up for that game because it's the first one. Uh, but to have it sandwiched right in between there is uh, one that I'm sure a lot of Badger fans out there saw that and and, and gave a little grimace because that has to be that has all the makings of a typical Wisconsin uh, clunker. But hopefully um, that that doesn't. Uh, happen for the Badgers. Um, in looking at the schedule, did you have a game that you thought this is the most important? You know, like the crux of their schedule. That it's like if they can get through that game, I re- you really like their chances. I think for that one, I would go with the Michigan game. It seems like the Michigan game for me is always the one that I circle because if you can win that that crossover game and, and avoid a loss, when you look at the other teams there. You know, Minnesota has to play Michigan week one. Nebraska has to play Ohio State week one. Uh, Iowa gets Penn State later in the season along with Michigan State and Minnesota uh, right before that. So there are games that you can see where if you're going to drop one, 
Um, if, if you could avoid dropping that one, I think it'd be significant. So for me, it was Michigan. It always seems to be that way. Uh, you know, Minnesota and Iowa are always important games, but the way I look at it is if you avoid a loss to that Michigan game and you drop one of the later ones, you're still in good shape to win the West uh, because you avoided that, uh, that, that crossover game loss, which can be uh, devastating in, in, you know, your, in your run for a division title. What about yourself? Yeah, I, I like the pick of Michigan. I would still probably go with Minnesota. I think that's going to be the most important. Their schedule is is, is pretty easy. If once you get past the the Michigan game, um, their their other crossover game being Maryland is is pretty beneficial to them. They also get Michigan at home, whereas the Badgers have them away. So uh, they also get Iowa at home. So I, I think you look at Minnesota's schedule. I think they're the the next best contender in the West to to possibly get at the Badgers. It's such a game where last time that these two teams played at home, the Badgers dropped it, and they're going to not want that to happen again. Um, Iowa, I think, just has a tough tough draw uh, through their schedule to, to get there. Um, but I, I do think that the Badgers, if they're able to take care of Minnesota, I think they will win the West. Yeah, I, I would agree with you on that one. So um, before, we, well, we'll do our we'll do our Big Ten title game predictions in a little bit here. Is there a, when you're looking at the schedule, it's kind of round that part of the conversation out. Uh, I think there's a clear loser uh, in the scheduling, which has been news across the Big Ten. But um, who do you see as kind of your winner and loser in terms of the draws that they've got for a schedule? Yeah, I know everybody's been complaining. Every, a lot of Nebraska fans have been complaining, but real, literally this was their schedule for some time now. It's It literally just took away uh, one of their cupcake games. So I don't know, understand totally what the, the complaint is, especially when you consider the fact that, um, you know, every team has had schedules like this. Like Wisconsin, you look back at 2016 at their schedule, and they had LSU – then they had, then they had, um, you know, a couple cupcake games, but then they they played a ranked at the time Michigan State and crushed them. They they lost to a top ten ranked Michigan. They lost to a top ten ranked Ohio State. They then had to beat Iowa. They then played Nebraska, who was actually decent that year. And, and later on, they still had to take on Minnesota. And later on, they had to play Penn State. So it's one of those things where if you want to win a Big Ten title, you're going to have to play. Ohio State and Penn State. It's not something that you can just cakewalk through. This isn't the Big 12 North that they were so accustomed to playing just, at that time, not great teams. If you ever remember, it was always the South that was good, and mm-hmm. the North would always, it always seemed like it was Colorado and Nebraska who were, who were there in the North. And, and sure, Colorado at, for a long while there was pretty good, but a big part of that was also that, that the North was pretty freaking watered down. And so it wasn't nearly as hard to be good. Um, so welcome to actually the playing in the Big Ten. You should have gotten used to this, considering you've been in the conference since what 2014. This isn't new. I just it just comes off as kind of just petulant on Nebraska's end in my eyes. And uh, I guess I guess we'll see. I think Wisconsin has has had their fair share of times when their schedule has been beneficial, but really the Badgers had a really tough schedule when you add in App State and Notre Dame, like you had mentioned, they can't go ahead and complain because I should say, actually, the Badgers have been complaining that they haven't been able to play Notre Dame and that they didn't get to play App State. So um, that should be the mantra for Nebraska instead of just crying about the fact that they actually have to play teams. 
Yeah, the, I thought that, you know, for, for Nebraska as, you know, kind of, you know, based on the schedule alone, when you have to play Penn State and Ohio State, you're, you're already in a tough position in terms of being the loser of the conference. But uh, I thought it was hilarious that they uh, essentially, you know, when this all started, you talked about, oh, you know, we're going to leave the conference, we're going to play, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. You know, they were the ones that started up the lawsuit, which I, I think was a good thing to do. Uh, in terms of, of using your voice as a player and uh, get all that, but then to, okay, you, you essentially won the battle that you started, but now you're like, okay, we, we want to play, but uh, we didn't want to we didn't want to play that, and we didn't want to play them. So uh, I, I like that you brought up that that was part of their schedule uh, already. I, I think that goes under the bus where maybe they thought they were going to avoid one of those two teams, uh, but unfortunately for them, uh, that's not going to happen, and it is a murderer's row to start. I mean, you've got Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Penn State in your first four games. Uh, that's tough, but uh, that, that's life in the Big Ten. This isn't an easy conference, and uh, I, I think uh, it's, it's, it's time to play football. You, know, you're, you should be happy that you're playing football, and I know it's, it's a tough draw, but at the end of the day, uh, it is what it is for Nebraska, and we'll, we'll see how they fare. And, and if there's a time to prove it and, and earn your stripes of this conference, it's right in front of you for, for Husker fans. But I think in terms of a schedule, they were definitely a loser. But when you look at the winners, um, you know, of the draw, Northwestern, you know, she fares out pretty well uh, in their cross bracket games. They get Maryland and Michigan State, who's expected to kind of have a down year. Uh, you, if you avoid Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan, you're already uh, set up for uh, some success. I know Northwestern is is kind of a team that nobody's expecting much, but sometimes they come out and surprise you. So with that fairly uh, easy schedule. You you make uh, you know maybe you make some ground up and, and improve yourselves and in, improve your standings in the Big Ten West. But it's gonna be interesting to see uh, how some of these teams fare and and how it shakes out for for a lot of these teams. Yeah, and I think Purdue is another winner. You look at mm-hmm. their cross games being Indiana and Rutgers. That's pretty solid. Um, but then another loser in in this and in really. This shouldn't come as a surprise. This is their schedule almost year, yearly. Is Michigan? They mm-hmm. they their crossovers were Wisconsin and Minnesota, which I can tell you right now is a hell of a lot harder schedule than what Nebraska has. So um, it's one of those things that uh, I think Michigan is also one that um, you know based off of their position in the in the East, they they always have to play um, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan State, but then you to add in. Um, a, a good Indiana team like normal, but then you also add in Wisconsin and, and Minnesota also makes them kind of one that you're like, ooh, that's a pretty tough schedule um, and, and and whatnot. Yeah, and you look at it, it's, it's even compounded a little bit further for Michigan. They had the uh, departure of Dylan McCaffrey, who decided to opt out of this season. It looked like he might be the, uh, well, probably would have been the starting quarterback uh, for the Wolverines, now you have to take on uh, a, a lot of those teams with a new quarterback in, in Joel Milton, who's played some uh, for the Wolverines already. But uh, it, it's not an easy slate to now have that kind of disrupted. Um, you know, I know some of these players are, are trying to opt back in and, and play, which could change things a little bit. But now for for the Wolverines to opt out, you have uh, a tough slate to start. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that uh, team shapes up uh, in the Big Ten Conference. All right, guys, that wraps up our breakdown of the schedule here. Uh, next episode, we're, we're going to plan on getting back to some uh, returner profiles. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more football here, but we wanted to make sure to hit on the big news um, in the recruiting circuit as well as touching on uh, the schedule. 
Um, so I think that was a good episode to kind of wrap some of those news up and we'll be able to get back into more football stuff as we continue to go forward here as we work uh, ever closer to a football season. You know, today's the 21st. You're listening to it on the 22nd. So just a little bit over a month away from Big Ten football, which is a really nice sound uh, to hear for, for Big Ten fans and especially you Wisconsin fans. So as always, guys, thank you for listening. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. We'll be back with you later in this week on Wisconsin. Thank you.